It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. The following is a public service announcement. Election day is near. Go to the polls and vote. Vote for the Kennedy of your choice, but vote. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and of course, uh, Election Day is more than near. It's here. Uh, today is Election Day. The polls are open in uh, Flint, Genesee County, where we come from. And uh, with hope, you'll get out and uh, exercise your franchise today before 8 p.m. And uh, if you haven't turned in your absentee, ballots you can still do that by 8 p.m. today but in any event be sure and uh, and get out and vote now we've got some uh, and, and of course we'll be talking about today's election tomorrow on armchair politics we'll be live at the new McCree theater on Clio Road in Flint Woodrow Stanley joining our round table and uh, we're going to talk with uh, economist Chris Douglas as well all in person live from 9 a.m. to noon. So join us if you can. It'd be uh, fun to see you. We're getting out of the bunker last week and this week with Armchair Politics. 
our weekly roundtable. Uh, coming up on uh, today's show, um, this is going to be interesting. In the uh, third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk about a new novel from Jeffrey Lewis. And Jeffrey Lewis has uh, been a writer for many years and, and won a lot of awards as a TV writer, most notably for his work on Hill Street Blues. But he has a new book called Land of Cocaine. And uh, I'm going to talk with Jeffrey about that book and his writing coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour in the middle, the second hour, and somewhat in honor of uh, Election Day. We're going to talk with uh, Robert Kimball, who has written a memoir about the... Um, well, it's called Crisis and Compromise, The Rescue of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And he had a pretty interesting vantage point, so we'll hear what he has to say about that. But first up, we're going to talk about sustainability with um, a uh, corporate sustainability expert, Kate Gartner, who uh, has written a book called um, Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. Anyway, that's coming up uh, straight ahead, so stay tuned. Uh, don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's lots of the Tom Sumner program coming up on this Election Day edition, and don't forget we'll have our uh, um, post-mortem on the election tomorrow on Armchair Politics. <laughs> And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is uh, considered an expert in corporate sustainability. Um, she studied at uh, University of Wisconsin, Wharton School, and Dartmouth College. She's also the author of a new book called Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. Her name is Kate Gartner, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, Kate, I've seen you referred to as a uh, uh, corporate sustainable or a corporate sustainability expert and a CSR expert. What is the R for? Oh, R is for responsibility. I had a feeling. <laughs> It's a term that's used, but used less often these days. Um, which which kind of begs the question, you've been working in this field for more than a couple of decades, and I'm of the impression that people are starting to catch on, that you know people are more accepting of the idea that maybe we should be... Uh, a little bit more concerned about sustainability. Um, are corporations coming along as well? They are. Uh, I would say not as fast as I would like, and I would. I, I'm sure that there is a, a great roar behind me um, <laughs> in approval <laughs> of that statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the Paris Climate Accord that happened in December of 2015 was a catalyzing event. Um, and then with the Biden-Harris administration that came in this year, I think there was a recommitment to that. 
and also a lot of noise, quote-unquote, uh, around wanting to do more to mitigate the climate crisis. And I think corporations sort of, you know, definitely have um, stood up straighter and said, yeah, I-, I think we're concerned. We're hearing it from our consumers and our employees, and we want to do something more than what we've been doing over the past, what, 40 or 50 years. As we look at some of the messages that we're getting from corporate America, and, and you know, of course, my show is based in Flint, Michigan. Uh, Detroit is right down the road, and, and so we're always keenly aware of what the car companies are saying. Um, but they're talking about... Uh, electric vehicles, and there's a lot of uh, battery research going on. And the the thing is, is that electric vehicles still rely on electricity, which is still being provided by uh, fossil fuels in, in a lot of ways, either natural gas or coal. And, and and I guess my question is, as we hear these things, that you know, they're saying, you know, we're going to be completely electric in five or ten years. Is that a, a um, zero-sum game? I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I, I, I hear you. We, so if they, the batteries that need to be charged for the zero-emitting vehicles... Um, rely on the grid, uh, and so parts of the grid are dirtier than others. Um, you know, the southern part of the United States is fairly dirty, and the coasts are getting greener by the day, and then you have patches, you know, for instance, Chicago. I mean, they they rely on a lot of nuclear energy, um, and they're, you know, they're greening the grid. So we have to green the grid, and that's Part of what the Biden and Harris administration wants to do, which is incent utilities to green the grid, but corporations are also moving in that direction. So they're uh, they're buying PPAs or VPPAs, which is power purchase agreements, which help to develop renewable energy, um, you know, wind farms and solar farms and and the like to green our grid. Um, so it's not a zero sum game. Yes. Uh, you know, to plug in your car in Atlanta is going to be definitely dirtier than if you do it in Washington State, but uh, it's better than constantly filling up your car with gas that just, you know, spews fumes every time you start that engine. And when you, um, of course, you mentioned uh, President Biden, and he made a campaign pledge and he's he's continued to follow up on it so far that the US was going to reconnect with the the Paris climate accord and become a a model citizen with regard to uh, pursuing sustainability and he just recently said that he'd like to see us uh, carbon free by 2030 is that that seems a little bit um, overly optimistic. That's eight years away, and there's still an awful lot of gas-guzzling vehicles, and uh, you know, like you said, down south, a lot of uh, a lot of coal-emitted electricity. So, is is that doable? And and 
how is it doable? Mm-hmm. So uh, just to just to clarify what you said a little bit. So he, the U.S. has yeah, said that we are going to reach net carbon neutrality by 2050. That he wants to half our carbon emissions. 50, 52% by 2030. Oh, okay. All right. Because uh, I had heard the 2050 figure, and then all of a sudden I started seeing 2030 everywhere, and I was like, wait a minute. But he's saying let's get halfway there by 30? Yeah, let's get halfway there. And th- and this is, again, going back to the Paris Climate Accord and the fact that, you know, um, COP26, the Paris Climate Accord was COP25. Uh, so that's happening right now for all the leaders or, you know, some 200 leaders in Glasgow. Um, and so th- it said, it said, hey, let's please set interim goals to then get to the, the carbon neutrality goal of by 2050. Um, you know, it's hard. <laughs> It's going to be really, really difficult, and I think that we need to green our grids, and that's what he was trying to do: is to incent the utilities or disincent the utilities to um, rely on fossil fuels. There is now, because of wrangling between the Democrats and the Republicans, this idea of implementing a carbon tax. Um, and that's a scary thing for a lot of consumers and, of course, for corporations. The corporations don't like to be taxed, um, and the consumers hate the, 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 the word tax. Um, but it's this idea of saying, hey, listen, we need, again, I'm using the word incent, but in, in quotation marks, right, this idea that we need to push entities uh, away from cheap fossil fuels, and the way to potentially do that is with the carbon tax. It's actually been fairly successful in, in a handful of countries. But to make fossil fuels so expensive or too expensive or expensive enough that people are like, you know what, I, I'm, it's not even worth it anymore to me. I'm going to get rid of my combustion engine car. I'm going to buy a hybrid or an EV. Um, I am... You know, I'm I'm not going to rely on natural gas. Maybe my stove, and I'm going to, you know, have an electric stove. It's just too expensive now. Fossil fuels, and it helps these incentives. This carbon tax helps people move the needle towards sourcing renewable energies. And I I want to quote. It's an it's an older article. It's an article that was written by John. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher his name, but Wib, Wibby. He's an assistant professor of journalism at Northeastern University, but he wrote an article back in 2016 for the Yale Climate Connections, and he basically said this carbon tax, um, this policy structure, if it's levied on the oil refineries and the natural gas terminals and pipelines and coal mines, you know, the, the oil and gas and coal industries, it could cover 98% of the U.S.'s CO2 emissions, which would pretty much, you know, get get America to like 45% reduction in carbon emissions by 2030. So it could significantly get us um, to those goals. More with corporate sustainability expert and author Kate Gartner straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org. 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with corporate sustainability expert and author Kate Gartner straight ahead. What about um, John Q. Public? I, I mean, they... People seem to be pretty accepting of this idea, but they're really expecting corporate America to ju- just deliver products that don't pollute. Mm-hmm. They are, uh, and there's a long way to go there. What what can what can regu- well let let me back up and and remind people about your new book. It's called Planting a Seed: Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. Let's let's talk about those three simple steps because I'm all about simple, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> I try, I try. There, there's so many things that are complicated in this life. Uh, what do you want to know? Do you want me to talk about how to get there? Yeah, I, I mean, really from a general public kind of way, what can people do? Um, it, because you just you just touched on it when you said so many things are complicated. People look at all this and they hear all the wrangling and they see these G7 and 8 and 20 meetings. And, yeah. and you know, and, and they really don't know what they can do. But they can do a lot. They just aren't really sure about it. So what I was hoping is is that we might pluck from your book some advice for the average person. Okay. So what the average person can do, and I'm, and I'm going to focus on three categories, is very similar to what the federal government, you know, our nation needs to do and what corporations um, are doing and need to continue to do, which is we need to green our grid. We need to move away from fossil fuels, right, to some form of renewable energy because they are naturally occurring and they don't emit carbon and greenhouse gases into the atmosphere that are, that's causing the climate crisis. So in, when we as individuals sort of consider, quote-unquote, our carbon footprint, um, and that's a hard concept to understand, uh, we need to really focus in on three categories. Transportation, how we get ourselves around, how we get ourselves to work, even though most of us are still at home, but doing our daily activities, right? Dropping the kids off at school, going grocery shopping, going to the pharmacy, et cetera. We need, that's transportation. Second is the energy that we use. So how we light our homes, um, how we heat and cool our homes and the water that we use and the the energy that we use in our kitchens and um, washing our clothes, right? So that's energy. And then our food, the food category, what we eat and how much of it. If we look at those three categories out of like a, a set of eight, that makes up about 70 to 75% of our total personal carbon emissions, which means if we just pull a few levers within those three, we can reduce our carbon emissions, in our individual carbon emissions and our maybe our family or household carbon emissions by 75%. That's significant. That's going to get amazing. a long way there. Um, it is. And and it's, I'm I, I'm um oh, I, I'm a bit of a gadget freak, so I use a lot of electricity, and I would love to figure out how to run all of the electric gadgets. You know, I have I 
basically I have a radio studio in my office and that's aside from all of the other electrical you know entertainment centers and stuff um, the kitchen you mentioned um, you know I'm I'm not real crazy about cutting back on using electricity but I would be thrilled to figure out a way to get electricity in a much greener way right so one one important lever there's a couple is to call your utility and say you know how much would it cost more each month for you to provide a hundred percent renewable energy to me a mix of renewable energy. Sometimes that's expensive. It's expensive. I hear it's like about $90 extra a month in New York. It's only about $6 a month for me here because we have a lot of hydropower in Oregon. I don't know how much that's worth, but it's worth going out to your utility and asking. The second is to say, hey, listen, I'm going to skew my utility. I'm going to go out to a third-party provider that's going to provide me with renewable energy. And the third, which is sort of, it's a, it's becoming almost a necessity, which is to have a backup generator, right? Like a Mm -hmm. Tesla power wall. One, because we're having more frequent and extreme uh, weather weather events, events, right? So people, people's power is going down more often and it's disruptive. But like a Tesla Powerwall is a, a battery power, but it can also, there's, there's also generators that are solar generators, which are backup generators, and you can use that to power your radio station and all your gadgets and electronics. Totally renewable, not emitting any you know, carbon into the atmosphere, and it, it provides you redundancy. Yeah, see, I've been watching for that, and it and it seems like the prices are coming down. That it's yeah. getting to be a little bit more accessible. But let's talk about transportation because, um, as I mentioned earlier, being close to Detroit, you know, I've been around the automotive industry all my life, and I'm watching them put a lot of effort and energy into electric cars. And I'm wondering if it wouldn't be wiser to have a long-term plan of more mass transportation than the idea that we've all got to have our own car. Because I hear car guys, car makers, talking about, oh, yeah, pretty soon you won't have to worry about owning a car and parking a car because we'll have these autonomous electric vehicles just buzzing around and you just Mm -hmm. call and reserve a ride to wherever, like an Uber and and I'm thinking, why are we going through that step when we could just look at really streamlined, high-tech mass transportation? I, I think I think we need both. Uh, I'm I'm not, I don't think autonomous driving vehicles are going to be in our near future. <laughs> I'm not a big believer in that, but I do think that we we love our automobiles here in the United States. You know, we, we like to be independent and autonomous and go on all these rides. People are not going to abandon their personal vehicles, and so we really do have to electrify those as quickly as possible. Um, if you're in urban environments, that transition to, you know, biofuel-based buses, you know, that are fueled by biofuels um, or electric buses in California, I mean, and electric trains, um, those are starting to happen. You know, Delta is um, talking about you know short haul 
air flight yeah. using hydrogen power, right? So this is this is all happening, and we definitely need to do this because we're globalized, and so much of our production is abroad, overseas. But we're not ready yet as a nation to give up our personal automobiles, and those are emitting you know carbon into the atmosphere every single day. So we do need to electrify those pretty quickly. And also I would say if you're not an urban or you know, suburban dweller, if you're living in a rural community, countryside, you just don't have access to a lot of public transportation systems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, and you know, I, of course, think of my, you know, in my own situation, um, I played uh, drums in a band professionally for years, and I, I tried to imagine getting more into public transportation i thought there's you know there's no way i'm going to drag a set of drums onto a bus <laughs> i would have liked to have seen that though <laughs> I, me not so much although i I've, I've seen you know situations in new york and los angeles i've seen pictures of guys you know figuring out ways to you know, get their kit in, you know, to fit inside each other and into one case, and they're they're figuring it out. Oh, yeah. I've seen bases on the subways, for sure. I've been going uptown, downtown to other gigs. That's fun. Um, so, and the third area is food. Um, yes. Isn't that just a matter of... Um, as consumers being a little smarter about where we're getting our food? Oh, gosh, it's a whole host of things. Uh, yes, we should eat. We should go back to eating seasonal produce, local produce, get away from the industrial industrial agricultural system that's just wrecking havoc in, in, in multiple ways. But it's also, frankly, I'm sorry, um, is we're just eating too much meat too much animal meat. Uh, and so that's a function of animals require land to graze on. They require food <laughs> to grow. And wouldn't it be better? A lot, like 70%, don't quite quote me on that, but I, be, I believe around 70% of all the food that we grow, like the, the grains that we grow here in the United States, actually get fed to cattle. And then we, you know, so that they can grow and beef up and um, we can then slaughter them so that we can then put the meat into the grocery stores to then eat, right? So it's, it's this whole perverse system of we're growing food so that we can feed the cattle, but we need that food really for the human populations. Um, and it's, we, we need the land um, not for grazing, but for growing food. Food, especially if we're going to be growing to 9 billion to 11 billion individuals on this planet. So it's this, and, and also they burp and they, you know, they pass gas and <laughs> Boy, you know, you that's that a lot nicely. of methane. Huh? Boy, did you deal with methane nicely. <laughs> I know, I know. It's not, it's not easy to talk about. But it's this idea that also they're, they're contributing literally to, you know, the climate crisis. So why not just eat less, move away from that? There's some great alternative proteins out there that are really good, you know, by putting out by meaty and impossible foods and beyond meat that literally look Feel they and are, taste like regular meat. They are getting better. 
They are. The offerings are getting much better. And that's why I asked at the at the beginning, Kate, if you know, if if we're starting to catch on and more importantly, are we catching on and adjusting quickly enough? I think that we have we have all the knowledge that we need to 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 mitigate the climate crisis. Um, but we need the will, the personal will, the corporate will, the political will of the nations to be able to do that. Renewable energy is more cost-effective to produce and to develop now than all the fossil fuel industries combined. Uh, we just need to adopt these technologies and transition to a, a slightly different way of, of living. Um, but uh, we don't have a lot of time to do that. And there's a lot of myths and disinformation out there. Yeah, I keep hearing different dates for, you know, if we haven't done this by this time and, you know, we need to by a certain time make sure that um, global warming doesn't reach two degrees, you know, higher than normal and so on. But it, it, um, I, I'm just not sure who's who's getting it right. Do you know what I mean? There's a <laughs> well, lot of people that, talking about it, but yeah. who are the credible sources? Where where do we get the good information? So I think the credible sources are the climate scientists that are doing all of the research. And they publish their reports and their, their data um, through the UN IPCC climate reports every four or five years. The problem is it's dense and it's hard to understand and it's, it's a little bit meaningless to individuals, right? Scientists don't, are, are not compelling and yeah. they're not good Yeah, where uh, are the Carl Sagan's? People. I know, I know. <laughs> the people who can translate science into language that people can understand and trust. Well, we have Bill Nye, the science guy. Well, He's gotten yeah. on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No? Bill Nye's okay. Yeah, we've and got Jane Fonda. Ty- and we've got <laughs> well, Tyson's okay. Um, um, we've got a few. I mean, in... Um, yeah, I know. I get it. I, I think that, so the scientists are getting it right. There is great concern. I mean, there's, I think the issue is, um, I don't want to get too scientific, but it's the, this idea that if we go too high and the, the, you know, the atmosphere warms up too much, there's going to have, there's going to be these cascading effects. They're called, you know, um, positive feedback loops, but they're not positive. They're really, really, that because they cannot be stopped. Positive is they just grow upon each other um, so that if we get too hot, if it get too warm in the air and the seas get too warm, you know, the, the marine life dies off. Um, you know, the seas rise too much. There's going to be human migration away from these areas that are, you know, low sea levels. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be less food productivity, right? The soils are not going to be very productive. There's, there's going to be a whole host of things that are going to cascade from increasing air temperatures that we're not going to be able to control. We're just going to have to 
manage maybe poorly through. Well, I know that sounds awful. No, it's it's something that we have to address and and we have to face and and people have to know that it's um, that there's more to it than paper or plastic. There's a lot more to it than paper and plastic. Mm-hmm. And and how it managed to get so political, I don't know. It seems like something we can all sit down and say, "Hey, there's stuff going on here, and there are things we can do about it. Let's let's get on it." I do. I think you're right. I really do. I think that it has been politicized, climate change, and it's not. It's a climate system. And if we can just say, hey, and, and you know what? I think that the summer of 2021 has been a real eye-opener, was a real eye-opener for a lot of people on all fronts. I think you know, Liberals right. and conservatives, Republicans and Democrats and independents, because there was so much weather disruption that you almost could not deny the fact that something was happening and, and, and not a good thing. Yeah, I, I, I always think of, you know, in, in Michigan, and I don't know what the weather's like in Oregon, but in the wintertime, we get snow days where everybody gets snowed in. The snow is just too deep to drive in or get to work or whatever. And you get hung up for a day or two, and sometimes people try and get out in it and end up stuck. And it doesn't matter whether they're Republicans or Democrats or Libertarians or members of the Green Party. And it doesn't matter if somebody is any one of those things when they come out to help, you know, push a car out of a snowbank or out of a ditch or something, you know. It, it And this climate situation is really no different than that it's something when it happens it happens to everybody and we should all be you know we should all figure out a way to acknowledge that it's happening and to pull our various perspectives together to come up with uh, ways that that we can solve the problems and and all benefit from those solutions i agree i mean it's you know climate change is an equal opportunity impactor and so we're all going to be impacted, maybe slightly differently, depending on the region where we live. But, yeah, we need to come together collectively to try to solve this issue because it is an existential human crisis. Is, do you get the impression that it is um, that politics is being shoved out of the conversation a, a little bit or... Are, are we still kind of mired in that? And um, on a related note, are corporations and, and other people from the, the world of business, um, especially those that are really big on the free market, can regular citizens, by the choices they make, influence through free market the decisions that that corporations and and governments, for that matter, make. That is a lot to unpack, but I would say <laughs> <laughs> I would say that most politicians behind closed doors understand and understand the science of of climate change and know that it, it's happening. Happening. I think it's politically expedient. Stay in power by arguing 
that maybe it's not happening. Um, so I think it's a power trip uh, for some to just say, hey, listen, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this is human-induced. I'm not sure if this is really happening. But I think closed doors, they, they know the science of it. I think corporations fully understand, and they do see a path forward. There are, we, we have to change our manufacturing system, and that's a really tough ask because it's been set up for so long the way it currently stands, right? The Industrial Revolution happened a long time ago. Well, that's why I wonder, Kate, if consumer demand and free market forces can make the difference, or does it take too long for it to happen that way? I think the millennials and Gen Z are adamant that the, the system, these systems, these, these cultural, social, economic, and political systems have to change. And they're angry about it, and they're calling out people and organizations. And so it's a reputational issue, and I think that's really smart. So, yeah, they can. Um, it can't be, the burden can't solely be placed on individuals. So the corporations and other entities have to really say, you know, we, we really got to change something. This, we're ruining the planet. Uh, and we're, we're ruining people's lives. Um, and they have to see that they can't exist if society is not healthy and the environment's not healthy. I don't know how long that's going to take. Uh, it, it might take another decade or so. But we're, we're going down a bad path, and so we need to quickly... Um, you know, we're gonna. I think we're gonna. We're sort of at that V stage where we're going down still, <laughs> the the left side of the V. But we're gonna have to quickly ramp up at some point, and I do think that's going to be in the next decade. Well, I'm fascinated by this subject, and and it's a delight talking with you, Kate. And and uh, I always give guests. We're we're almost out of time, although I feel like we could go on and on because there's lots more to talk about. But um, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work. Obviously, the book, Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living, is a great place to start. But um, do you have a website, Kate? I do. I do. So I've got two websites. Uh, for the book, it's kategartner.com. Uh, and you can, if you, if you're interested in buying and reading the book, you can get it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com. But I would, you know, there's this the the biggest independent bookstore located here in Oregon. It's Powell's Books. So consider purchasing from your local bookstore or Powell's. Um, I also have a corporate sustainability website, and it's TripleWinAdvisory.com. And you can learn more about what we do with companies. Well, Kate, thank you so much for spending this uh, time with me and the listeners, and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Tom. I really appreciate your time. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Again, that is uh, corporate sustainability expert Kate Gartner, and the book is Planting a Seed, Three Simple Steps to Sustainable Living. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner programs. The Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. TomSumnerProgram.com Hey, 
This is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I entered the service after I graduated high school because the dropouts already had the jobs. And uh, I came out of the service and I, get, I came out of the service and I entered Temple University, 1960, physical education major. I hear you laughing. You know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people laugh at physical education. Ah oh, ha, phys ed, you're dumb, you know. Well, anyway, uh, I was pretty smart, and uh, I, I got this girlfriend. I, I met this girl, very brilliant girl. Had uh, an IQ of about 300. <laughs> thousand, 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 300,000 IQ. And a, a philosophy major, man. Oh, she was fantastic. Used to walk around the house saying, why is there air? And I used to look at it. Any phys ed major knows why there's air. You know? There's air to blow up volleyballs, blow up basketballs. You, know? hey, you guys called me dumb for crying out loud. Walking around asking why there's air. But anyway, that's the thing to do when you're a freshman. Get yourself a brilliant girl to take care of you. She used to dress up like me and take my exams and everything. It's really beautiful. I bought a 1942 Dodge for $75, my whole life savings from the service. And uh, I used to drive from her house, I lived in Philadelphia, I used to drive to Trenton, 40 mile drive, and uh, it was during the winter time, and when I bought the car, it had four, four bald-headed tires. So I went out, and with the last couple of dollars I had, I bought a snow tire, and I put it on the right rear, and about 75 sandbags, you know, for traction, in case I get into some snow or ice or something, you know, just dig right in on that right side, and the car would raise up on that one wheel, and, <laughs> and I wrote Captain America on the side, because it was a beautiful car, man. It, used to, it wouldn't go over 50. You go 51 and said, hey, cut it out. It's the kind of car I had, man. Beautiful. And, uh, I used to drive to her house, uh, get to her house around four in the afternoon, and her parents, uh, I think her parents wanted to get rid of her, because as soon as I get there, they go upstairs, you know, and take the dog with them, too, you know. <laughs> they had one of these little dogs. They were very wealthy people. They had one of these little dogs in a house, about a 37,000-room house, and they had a dog was as big as my fist, you know, and, uh, for protection. You know, I said, well, people are kooky, man. Now, in Greenwich Village, I used to live in Greenwich Village, a guy with a one-room apartment and, and he had to use somebody else's bathroom would have a dog that's as big as a Mack truck. You know, like the dog would command him, I must go. You know? He had to take the dog out, man. He couldn't spank it, you know. He hit that dog, the dog would eat him alive, you know. Hey, listen, that's where I got, we got our Doberman from an old used master that they ate up. <laughs> and these people with this big house got this dog so small. You know, what, what protection is it? You put your leg through, through the window, the, I know what it'll do. It'll pee all over the place. That's, a, that's all they ever do, man. You, you come into anybody's house and say, ah, the one of those dogs, they poop all over everybody. I guess maybe that's the safety device, right? You feel something, hey, somebody's in the house. My leg's there. Well, anyhow, 
I used to sit there and uh, we would do about three minutes worth of homework and then we would cuddle up and start kissing. Oh, we would kiss for 12 hours, man. Just kiss everywhere. Kiss on the sofa, move to the TV set, kiss up on the whatnot shelf, you know, underneath the refrigerator, all over the place. We're just kissing. You kiss so long until the inside of the mouth gets raw, you know, and your lips swell up and you say, listen, I think we better cut it out, all right? But tell you what, first one heals call, all right? So, I get in the old Captain America car, you know, and I'm driving. And the whole time we were kissing, it snowed and the hail fell and everything, and the roads just, whew, the roads were frozen. So I'm driving, and very sleepy, and I get so sleepy that I go into a world of fantasy, you know. I just, I'm really tired. I would like to sleep now. Yeah, another hour and a half drive, and it's ridiculous. And, well, listen, you take a little nap if you want. Are you kidding? Well, look, uh, the road's going straight, and right now I got the car pointed straight. I don't see why I can't take a little nap right now. I better not do it. A leaf blew in front of the car. Oh, I've hit a cow. I, yeah. Oh, I'm driving. And I'll never forget it. I took it up to 50. I was living dangerously, you know. And uh, I went into a bad right skid. Whack! And as soon as I went into the skid, I tried to remember the safe driving manual, you know, to save your life. If you go into a skid, the safe driving manual says, if you go into a skid, turn in the direction of the skid. Which doesn't make sense at all to me, because that's like if a guy throws a left hook at you, you lean into it, you know. Says, Forget it, I'm turning left and hitting the brake. Whack! Wound up going down the road, 50 miles an hour, sideways. Which is a beautiful sight, by the way. You look out your front window and you see things going by like this, you know. And if you want, you just turn right around. You don't have to steer. Just look out the side door. And if you have an accident, you can get out in a hurry, man. It can't hurt you. I love it. Like, they ever build cars like that. And I hit a tree. As soon as I hit the tree, I remembered I'm in trouble because in my glove compartment, I've got 10 old moving violation tickets, which are like savings bonds. The longer you keep them, the greater they mature, you know. I owe the city about $2 million. I know they're going to throw me in jail for life. So I push the car away from the tree, and I try and move it. And it won't move it at all because the A-frame has fallen out, see? Well, I didn't know what an A-frame was until I took it to a mechanic, and you know, and, whoa, your A-frame's falling out. Cost you a million dollars. And that's the labor, you know, that kind of... So I'm trying to move, wah, 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 and, it won't, and I'm scared because the cops are going to catch me. I got to get out of here somehow, you know. Up comes the safety for all truck driver, gets it out of the car. I didn't even ask him to help me. Starts to put 20 flares around the car. What the hell do you think? This is my birthday or something? <laughs> Have you ever tried to blow out a flare? <laughs> no, I'm sore on the outside and the inside. You know? <laughs> all right, now the beautiful thing are the, are the cops. Here come the get out and they look at the thing and the motor's in the front seat trees leaning on a 45 degree angle box all chewed out of it and uh, the tires are all flat and uh, 20 flares around the car and this guy says what happened I said well I was driving along and uh, this tree jumped right out of the forest and bit my car boy they'd ask you that no matter what you could run over a guy and leave him under the car and the guy's alright what happened here? Well, the guy was sleeping and he was cold and I had nothing to cover him up, so I figured I'd use the car, you know. I'd protect him from something. Ridiculous, boy. <laughs> 
This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Program, don't you know? Go on. 
Come on, get out of here. <laughs>